0: All right, if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 9, we're going to be looking at verses 11 and 12. We're going to read verses 11 through, 15, uh, 11 through 14. Please stand to your feet for the reading and the hearing of God's Word. Hebrews 9, 11. but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his words. You may be seated. I wanted to use the board today because I thought it was appropriate that we look at some of these texts. But I also want to try my best to be very applicable today because I want to help you to see. I was talking to uh, some of the elders and some of the men in the church uh, here the last uh, few days, last week or two. And, you know, oftentimes we come to church, we sit in a service, and hopefully at the well we can say that the teaching, not just from the pulpit, but the teaching that you get, the discipleship that you get, the training that you get here, whether it be in one of the Sunday morning classes that we do uh, for the youth, or uh, maybe the one that Dustin uh, is doing, or there's a plethora of different uh, studies and ways that you can uh, come and uh, hear about the scripture, to study the scripture, to study doctrine and theology. Uh, hopefully, that we can say here at the well is that that is really good exegetical, expositional, straight from the Word of God, content, actual teaching from the scripture that we can rightly understand and rightly divide the Word of God. But not only is that a reality, and I hope that that is, Not only should that be a reality, but also that it should be a reality that the things that we learn, we are seeing them come from our minds that we hear into our hearts that would make a true and lasting change. And when that change happens in our hearts and it starts to shift and mold, transform us on the inside of who we are in the deepest parts of who we are that we would then see that manifest in our hands what we do, what we say how we interact with the people around us what we consider most important and we all know how to identify that which is most important to us, don't we? There's a few inevitable factors and evidences for that it's going to be where you spend your time where do you spend the, the, the majority of your time? It's going to be where you spend your money. Okay? You take a look at your checkbook and you can see what your God is fairly easily. You, it's gonna, it, you're going to spend your efforts on it. You're going to spend your efforts on it. What do you What do you work hard to do? What do you make sure is done before you go to bed each day or before you... Uh, Are finished with each week? What is it that you want to make sure? What's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? And so my desire my prayer has been lately that we would not just be hearers of the Word, but that we would be doers of the Word. And everyone should be able to look at your own life and gauge whether or not you are simply uh, receiving good teaching, hearing good teaching, Being made aware of good doctrine in the Bible, and then leaving leaving it there and saying, "Oh, that's great, that's right," but not letting it have its proper effect in your life, and that's what I want you to ask yourself to do today. The title of today's message is "Actually Being Christ." Actually Being Christ. See, we have the teaching of penal substitutionary atonement. You say big words. Some of you like those big words. But this atonement that covers the penalty for our own sins is meant to bring us into fellowship with God, and that fellowship with God then has an effect on us that we are no longer in those sins. That when we say... God has saved me. A lot of times, we don't ask the question that rightly follows that. He saved you from what? And, and a lot of people want to say, he saved me from hell. But that's not necessarily the first answer that should be given, I don't think. But that's right. <laughs> God saved you from God. That's true, because you were a sinful sinner, and God takes no, uh, he cannot be in the in the presence, in the fellowship of sinners. And God is lighted in him. There is no darkness at all. He cannot, darkness can't fellowship with the light. That's just pure and simple. But on the other side of it that, that we say that what did God save us from then? Yes, he saved us from the, his own judgment, wrath, and his penalty. But when he did save us, he saved us also from our sin. He saved us from our sin, which doesn't just mean from the penalty of our sin, but from the power of our sin. That he has released you now from the bondage of sin in such a way that you can actually stop sinning. You have Christ dwelling inside of you, the one who conquered death, sin, hell, and Satan. And that conqueror has now joined together and made himself one with you. And now you, through Christ, are more than conquerors. For through Christ you win the battle, having never even fought the war. And so, you say, why would you say all that? It's because this is, Hebrews can be some of the most technical biblical teaching because it pulls in aspects from the Old Covenant and it it wouldn't have been so much to them. But for us, it seems far off because most of us aren't Jewish Christians looking to go back to Judaism. But we are in the same realm of humanity as them and we are actually struggling with a lot of the same principle issues and the same base problems that they struggled with. And that is that we are having trouble trusting the risen Lord Jesus Christ to be the superior mark and the absolute finish of the race. You see, Christ doesn't help you to get to the goal. Christ is the goal. See, Christ doesn't help you to live a better life or to live your best life now. Christ is the best life now. And in Christ, you find your life and your breath. And so as we teach through these two verses, I know it says 11 through 14. That's just because I've got all of them here. We're going to roll through them. We're going to look at two verses today, and I'm going to try my best To take those two verses, and I want to ask you a question. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to actually be Christ? And just know, when I do this, I've got three more pointing back at me. I told Robert this morning, I said, I love preaching. I said, but it sure is rough. Mondays, You try punching yourself in the face 57 times on Sunday. See what your Monday's like. Hebrews 9, through 14, let's read it again and we're going to start unpacking it. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things, we're going to really uh, pay attention to the good things, that have come, this is going to be huge too, have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, praise God. to serve the living God. All these words are intentional, amen? Amen. amen. Okay, I wanna show you something here that I thought was pretty cool. When we break these verses down, this is what we see. This and this is what's going on, and this is how it's accomplished, okay? But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, this is going to be what he did to do what? When he did that, he will or he came to purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Here's what we see that he's come, he has come. This is what he came to do. This is how he did it. Okay? Now, this is doctrinally just superb. We could spend hours upon hours and upon hours here. But what I want to do is we've talked about a lot of this already. And so I want to say... Okay, what does that mean for you and I after we break it down just a little bit at a time? All we're going to do is look at two verses today. And we're going to break those two verses down in 11a, and then we're going to look at uh, 11b, and then we're going to look at 12, and we're going to ask these questions. Well, I want to point out a few good things here. And this is just going through the Scripture line by line, but trying our best to apply it to our lives. Okay. So all of us in here, well, not all of us, most of us in here, we proclaim to be Christians, okay? There may be some in here who don't, praying for your soul, you know, don't fight God, He never loses, right? But today, I want to uh, ask the question for you believers out there, What are you actively doing every single day in the small aspects of your life to actually be Jesus Christ? If the, and you say, wait a minute, that's blasphemy. I'm not Jesus. No, no, no. Don't get my words twisted. What I mean is, is that if Christ dwells in us, then we are ambassadors of Christ. We are called to take Christ into the world through proclamation, but also through action. Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us that all of these things, those whom he foreknew, he predestined, those whom he predestined. All this golden chain of redemption, it leads to what? What? that we might be conformed to the image of the Son. See, you don't just need to believe in Jesus. You need to become Jesus or become like Jesus, okay? You're not going to become God. We're not Mormons. You're not transformed into a little God being, no. But we are indwelt by the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. you You have become the temple of the living God where God himself dwells upon the earth. All of the Old Testament and all of its shadows, it's a copy of the heavenly realities. But in the New Covenant, which we are in right now, the New Covenant, we are the heavenly realities in, in the earth. And we are what was copied. See, in the Old Testament, these are copies of what was to come In the new covenant, heaven has come down to the earth, and now you are the reality. Now, the imperfect reality, the perfect hasn't come yet, but you are the reality of what the old covenant was pointing to and foreshadowing. Now, you're only that reality in Christ, because all of the old covenant was pointing to Jesus. But when Jesus is the central piece then that is the heavenly reality that's come down from heaven and is now upon the earth. And one day, the heavenly will come in all of its glory. Christ will return a second time. We're going to see that actually later on in Hebrews chapter 9. And the full redemption, restoration, our full adoption as sons and daughters will be made complete. And there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And Christ will dwell upon the earth with us. And we will see him face to face. whoo! What a glorious day that will be. But let's look now at this text and let's ask this question. But what am I doing now to, to actually be Jesus right now? Right? There's a lot of people in your life. How many of you know somebody in your life that needs Jesus? How many of you realize that you're the Jesus in their life they need? You want me to say that again? How many of you know somebody in your life that needs Jesus. How many of you realize you're the Jesus that they need? That's right. Jesus in you, Jesus shining through you, is where they need to see Christ. Many other places, too. We pray that God would place uh, witnesses and uh, those who are speaking truth into their lives. But if you know Christ and you know them, then we know that there's at least one point where heaven meets earth that they could see Jesus and meet Jesus. Amen? But when Christ appeared... now. I just want to point out that Christ has already appeared, okay? Now, he's speaking to a Hebrew audience that had believed in Christ. He's explaining to them about these regulations in the Old Covenant, if you remember last week. I'm not going to go back into all that. He's saying that this this Old Covenant had bunches of regulations. Not many people could approach God, and even those who could approach God, they had to come on tiptoes and make sure that they had everything right. And even then, they could only come once a year, and they couldn't even offer a real sacrifice, right? All of this was just types and shadows. It was, it was a show that they were going through in order. It was really like a show. Some of you think, might, might think that I'm degre- um, uh, uh, you know, being um, facetious or, or, or casting a shadow on the Old Covenant, but I'm really not. That's what the Bible says about it. This is a shadow. It's a show. It's a, it's a demonstration, of what would come. As a matter of fact, these are all actors in a play, and they're playing the part of Jesus. Every single one of them—Moses, <laughs> the, the, the goats, and the calves—you know that's Jesus. You know they're all playing a part. What part are they playing? The part of Jesus. They are playing. The high priest is Jesus. The, everybody's. Jesus. Everything is pointing to the God Man, Jesus Christ, that would do. What they couldn't do. But now Jesus Christ has appeared. Let me ask you now, ladies and gentlemen, can we say that Christ has appeared? Absolutely we can. They came way before us. If he had appeared in their timetable, he's appeared in ours. So this is applicable to us. But when Christ appeared as a high priest, now this is very important. We've already talked about the high priest, the role of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will just lightly say that again. What does a high priest do? Makes sacrifices. He serves God. The the high priest is a servant of God. He's a minister of God. He makes sacrifices. But what are those sacrifices for, somebody? For the sin of the people. He served God by what? Serving people. He served God by serving people. He served God by loving people, right? Now, Jesus is the high priest that is the God-man But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things. Now, I want to talk about this some too. But first I want to say, what good things? This is very helpful for us. Salvation. What's the good things, guys? Come on, somebody help me. Heaven. Love. Love. Forgiveness. Slow down, people. (laughs) Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's use another verse. All good gifts. Have come down from above. What book is that out of? Somebody. Come on, it's James. All good gifts have come down from above. You see, God created a wonderful creation. And I've got this little demonstration for you. God created a wonderful creation, you see. And in the beginning... You had heaven joined to earth. And it was beautiful, right? You remember, take all this and just put it together for a second, okay? All good gifts come down from above. Take that word, good. In the beginning, God said. Let there be light. And he starts this creative motion, right? With his, just with his words. And he makes the light and he makes this, and he makes that. and And six days he's creating, he's working, he's creating, he's working. At the end of every day, what does he say? It was good. It was good. It was good. So human beings themselves are good gifts from God, right? So he's making the creation and the whole thing is good. It's good. And God is there. He is dwelling in the midst of his people. Who are the people? Adam and Eve, right? And he's there, and he's walking in the cool of the garden, or he's in their midst, however you want to interpret that. And, but then something happens. What happens? The enemy comes in, and he does something. He does something. What does he do? Somebody help me. The Word. He tempts. He, he calls them to question God's Word. Somebody remind me in Hebrews, where, where does it say something else about the word and what it does? Somebody tell me, He holds all things together by the word of His power, remember that? And so if God's word, if Christ's word holds all things together, right? And you question God's word and then ultimately give in to the temptation and what? Disobey. God's word. If God's word is the central piece and it's upheld, everything holds together. When it's not, everything is separated. And so, therefore, God kicked them out of the garden. They were locked out. There were gates installed, powerful angelic beings placed to guard the gates so that they could not come back in, and they were cursed. And so, you had heaven. And earth separated, and a great chasm in between that no man could cross. Because if you sin in one part of the law, you sin in the whole law. What book is that? James. Y'all got to start reading y'all's Bible. (laughs) So here we are. We are in the situation where God made good things, and the good things aren't necessarily all evil things now but evil has come into the world and corrupted these good things and now they need to be redeemed so i want to point out some of the good things but now these are all nice and cool and nifty theological good things but what are some other good things come on hey see baby and at the end of this month it will be heat all right what else How about children? And uh, I heard somebody say food. Oh, yeah, shelter. Good. What else? Family. Absolutely. I love that little voice coming out. What else? Firearms. Hey, no doubt, protection. Every good thing. Isn't it? Every good thing comes down from above. Now, why you say, why are you doing all this? Well, look, look. I want to show you something here. Now, this is the Bible. Isn't the Bible awesome? But when Christ appeared, now we've established that Christ has already appeared. Amen? Amen. Christ has appeared. So this is to us too. But when Christ appeared, and I will point one other thing. This is to show the contrast. These things wasn't a reality then like they are now. You see, in the Old Covenant, we could see grace, we could see grace, but was grace in the Old Covenant the same as grace in the New Covenant? Absolutely not, right? So we say, in the Old Covenant, it was like this, but, you see the the contrasting conjunction there? But, when Christ appeared, now he has appeared as a high priest, which is what? A, A servant of God, one that one that serves God by serving the people one let's go even a little bit further one that serves God by bringing people closer to God amen when he appeared as the one who would bring people closer to God of the the high priest of the good things that have come Now, I've talked to you about this a lot, but I want to reemphasize today because this is really important to us. In Christ, who has already appeared, and who is the helper of those who need God to get to God, who is the helper of people of the good things that they need, has he come in order to make a way for us to get them one day? No, no, no. So, it's, does it say, but when Christ appears as a high priest of the good things that will come? No, no. That might come? No, no. Nope. What does it say? That have. Now, in this day when he's writing this, that would, that he wrote this before we were born, Right? Right? I think everybody should know that one. (laughs) Even in their day, he tells them that Jesus is the high priest of the good things that have come already. So can we say that he's the one that helps those who need to get to God? And he is the minister of the good things that have come and they're here? So let me ask this, family. Do we serve God, pursue God? Does God have his effect in our life for a reward that's way out there somewhere? Might be part of it. But is that the focus? Is that even the focus? No, no, we serve a God who is making the good things a reality now. And so, brothers and sisters, I ask you, are you actually, two things, enjoying the good things now? Okay? And are you, like Christ, bringing the good things to those around you right now? Do you interact with people in such a way That they experience good things. Does your interaction with your wife, your husband, your children, your coworkers, your boss, who you can't stand, does does that interaction bring about good things in their life? I'm serious. I'm really asking. What type of attitude do you have? What type of language do you use? What type of look do you have on your face? You say, what does that matter? Well, let me ask you, huh? Yeah, Victoria's like, this is just my face. As a matter of fact, when she said that to me, she was like, some people can't help it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm afraid, and I, I, listen, I'm guilty of this. I'm afraid that so often we get caught up in religious routine. And we don't allow Christ and the Spirit to have its proper effect in our lives, Amen. and we're walking around and we're interacting with people as supposed believers, and we are just mean and nasty and and just sour puss face just. And the whole world is against us. And why does life have to be this way? I don't have any nice shoes. And, uh, and nobody in a million years would guess. Now, they heard you say, oh, I'm a Christian. But no, my, nobody in a million years would have, would have guessed, looking at you, that the God of all creation has come down out of heaven to the earth to bring the good things with him and grant you full access 100% of the time. Because people that are blessed and fulfilled don't walk around like that. Right? Well, some of you do. I don't you know. Some of us, some of us do. <laughs> That's what happens when we are trying to consider the things of the world the good things. That's why millionaires and movie stars who have everything they ever wanted on this earth and have servants at their beck and call have such a high suicide rate. That's why Hollywood counselors are some of the richest people in the world. Until you understand that it is Christ who has appeared, and it is Christ who brings you the real good things that have already come. Until you understand it's Christ, these can't really be a reality in your life. And you can't be like Christ to take those of someone else. Now, other texts that I could draw in from here uh, would say that we are ambassadors of Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us that we are ministers of reconciliation through whom God is reconciling the world to himself. Romans chapter 8. So, John, you are a minister of the gospel, and God is using you as his own ambassador to do the work that he was doing on the earth. He is now doing through you, and you are called to draw people to him, starting with, if you're a husband, starting with your wife. If you're a wife, starting with your, if you are parents after your husband and wife, children. You see, we are to be Christ in this way. Let's move. Now watch this, it gets even better. Hebrews 9, b the second part of 11 and the 12. Then through the greater and more perfect tent. Man, greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands that is not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy places. Now we'll talk about this a little bit more in depth theologically, but here's all I want to really point out into this, is that all of this, is a reality that lasts for how long? Somebody say it again. That's right. Forever. Forever. What is that? Say it one more time. Forever. Forever. So are the things of God and the things of Christ, once you are in Christ, are there something that is finicky, uh, failing, and fleeting? No. No, no. Not at all. No. How long do you get to partake? Forever. When you're in Christ, you're in Christ. Then through the greater and more perfect tent, you see, this was the problem with the old covenant. Sanctification. One, it didn't even purify the conscience. It didn't make perfect. That's just, it just didn't do that. It wasn't designed to do that. It was actually designed to show just how perfectly imperfect you are, right? And it was designed, the whole thing was designed to demonstrate to you so that you might be fully convinced that there is no way that you can partake of the good things without God himself being the one that brought you into those good things. No mere human high priest could ever, ever, ever make perfect or to purify. No, they were all temporary. Somebody tell me how often the high priest made sacrifices, and I'm not talking about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. How many, how many times did, did high priest make sacrifices? Every day. That's Yom Kippur, but every day. Every day there was sacrifices for this, sacrifices for that, washings for this, washings for that, rituals for this, rituals for that. The whole point was is that you guys are just slam nasty. And it don't matter how much these human hands wash you, it will never wash that stink off. That sin is stuck like Chuck. And you're never getting, off, you're never getting that off. It's going to take some holy water. It's going to take something more. It's going to take something that's straight from God. It's going to take God himself being the one that does the washing. And you're not going to be able to be washed in water. What are you, you going to need to be washed in? Blood, the eternal blood of the covenant, the blood of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole point, though, I want to point out to you is, is that the good things of God have gone through the more perfect tent, not the one made by hands. That is not of this creation. And so we say that the uh, the sanctification, the atonement, Um, let's pull back here, the good things have come, the good things, so all of these things. Now, let me ask this, because this is a good point, a good, very practical point. In the Old Covenant, a lot of people think that the Old Covenant laws and stipulations and stuff was merely spiritual, that they were merely for pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I say they were primarily For pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. What other function did they serve? What is the most practical function that the Old Covenant laws uh, that they were there for? What were the most practical functions? Anybody want to tell me? Hold on, what? Cleanliness. To purify the flesh. What? Yeah. So in the Old Covenant, let's say just a very, very, very practical thing. Uh, There was a law that you can't eat pork. split hooved animals you can't do that why is it because porks are just inherently evil no I mean I would imagine that he might have made a pig on day one or He didn't say and it was good except for piggy <laughs> right we only see we don't see food laws until much later right so why is that well number one He chose what he chose because he wanted to choose it, but he chose that in order to demonstrate the need for Christ to purify us and the the need for us to maintain our holiness and cleanliness as we have separated ourselves from the things that the world does. But a very, very practical application of that is, is that in those days you don't have... Chemicals that sterilize. You don't have sterilized facilities that can make sure your food is properly maintained. No. And where do we all know that that pigs love to be in the mud, and the muck, and the mire, and the germs, and the nasty? Right. You don't want to add nasty to your nasty. Then you're nasty nasty. You know what I'm saying? You don't want that, right? And so, very practically, and it wasn't just that. You had um, regulations on. Uh, defecation and using the bathroom, how you dealt with that, a woman in her menstrual cycle, sicknesses and disease and the garments that the sick person was wearing. All of these things were all part of the ritualistic routine and commands of God. And they demonstrated primarily, I think, to show Jesus and the need that we need for purification and holiness on a internal spirit level but all of these also had their function too what was that it also provided protection it provided shelter it provided love of your neighbor it provided means you know why would you build the pericope around the top of the house where somebody could fall off why would you need to build the the um fence around a hole on your property why would you need to do that because you love your neighbor and that's what you do you don't want somebody walking along like, Whoop, where do you go i don't know <laughs> You want to love your neighbor. That's the loving thing to do. So that's how they came, but they didn't come in the way that was needed. And the way that it was needed was in the more perfect tent on a spiritual level, not the earthly level. Now, does God's word still provide for us ways that we can benefit physically? Absolutely. Remember the first command with the promise? If you've got kids, you better memorize this one. Children, honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise. This is an action that it might go well with you where? In the land. This is a promise. If your children want to have the best shot at having a successful life in their life and in their culture and in their, in their uh, existence among uh, the workforce and so on and so forth, the best way they're going to do that is to have godly parents who they submit to and who they honor and who they respect and who they learn from. That's just practically speaking. That's the way it works. Now, I need to get off of this because I want to do a little bit more. He entered once for all. And this is, this is very, very pointed. And we'll get into this. It'll be a theme. Starting in uh, chapter 9, It's, them- it's thematic. Once for all, once for all, once for all. He entered once for all. He's the once for all high priest. He's the once for all sacrifice. He's the once for all. Jesus Christ is the one for once for all. He's the only one you'll ever need. He's the only one you're ever gonna need. And everybody else throw them away because they ain't him. Amen. Amen. He's the only one. So it's ongoing. Eternal blessing. And Wholeness physically and spiritually. Now, if you're rightly reading this, you say, well, hold on, man. My ankle's hurting right now. I'm not, I'm not whole physically. <laughs> this one comes a little later. <laughs> spiritually, see how that flipped? You remember, Jesus is the king of an upside-down kingdom. You remember that, right? The old covenant was seen more in the physical blessing and the lack of spiritual longevity. The new covenant is seen mostly in the spiritual longevity and the, the coming physical redemption. In that day when we're glorified, we get new bodies. We get, we get new minds. We get, we get renewed, fully redeemed, Right? And so this is, but the point is, is ongoing. Jesus is steadfast and sure. And then the last part of this verse is, and I'm, I'm almost done. Nine twelve b not by means of blood, by the blood of bull, uh, goats and calves, but by the means of his, his. Oh, this is so good. Y'all got to get with me on this. Jesus Christ did not come to give somebody else's stuff away. Jesus Christ did not make money from somewhere else. He didn't go buy a goat. He didn't go buy a calf. He didn't work real hard and get all this money so that he could gather enough up to come over here and purchase gifts for you, right? What did he do? He said there is, okay, quiz time. What is the most valuable resource on planet Earth? No, of the earth. Water? Yeah. What might what might else be considered? Oil? What? Oxygen, air, yeah. Does there exist enough water, oxygen, air, oil, or money to purchase a soul? No. Does there exist anything in this realm that could purchase a soul? That could buy back one who is in bondage and under the wrath of the living God for the debt that they owe? Nothing, right? And so in order for Jesus Christ to purchase, to buy, to buy back, to redeem in order that the good things could come, He had to pay a price that was was equal to or greater than the debt that we owed. Now, what type of sin has every human being that's ever existed, what type of sin have they committed? Have they committed temporal sins? Is there such thing as a temporal sin? A sin that is, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You can, you can, man, look, look, over here at the well, we'd be like, you know, if you just looked and you didn't lust, then just bring me a dollar, we'll be good. But now if you undressed her from the top up, it's gonna be ten. And if you went out of the road driving, you're going to have to bring a Benjamin. (laughs) I don't know. Isn't that stupid? Like you're laughing because that's stupid. You can't buy your way out of sin, Catholic Church. That doesn't work that way. Your money's no good here. What I've got you can't buy. This is... God is saying, I have perfection. I am perfection. And I would like for you to have some, but you can't afford it. You can't afford it. But God said, Look, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'll give it all away. I'll buy it. I'll give it all away. See, he didn't come to purchase your redemption. And you see, this is a this is this is a value transaction. That's what you do in redemption. You understand that, right? When you okay, let me ask it this way, I gotta move. When you have a coupon, a coupon, if you're from somewhere other than here, we call it coupons. If you got a coupon and it says off your gallon of milk, so it'll only be (laughs) $18.99. Let me ask you a question. How much is that piece of paper worth that says $3 off your gallon of milk? How much is it worth while it sits in your hand? Not a dime. Whatever the paper is printed on, whatever. What do you have to do to give that piece of paper a $3 value? What? You gotta redeem it. You gotta redeem it. You've gotta give it its value. You've gotta give it what you've got to give it back what it's worth. You redeem it. And so Jesus Christ redeems you by trading. How do you redeem it? You take it into the cashier and say, I got this piece of paper. <laughs> and if she don't know the deals, don't she know about you? Listen, this is this piece of paper. You actually didn't even cut the lines straight. <laughs> it's worthless. You know, please get this, get out of my presence. But, the, but the, the cashier also, though, has the power to say that piece of paper is now worth $3. And I am going to take that in exchange and I'll give you this. You see, it's redemption. Not by means of blood of, bull, of goats and calves, but by the means of his, of his own blood. That Jesus Christ loves you to the degree that he came and emptied himself in order that he might pay for your redemption by his eternal, immeasurably valuable life, his own blood. He said, I will die and I will receive all of the evil things in order that they might have all of the good things. You see how he turned himself inside out to turn you right side in. The heavenly became earthly that the earthly might become heavenly. And he he did this for you and for me. And how long again? How long? Thus securing an eternal redemption. Your redemption can't be taken away. It can't be undone. The heavenly Christ became earthly to do a heavenly work on earth so that earthly men could become heavenly and women. His heavenly perfection was destroyed by the sins of men in order to establish the means by which the sins of men could be destroyed by his heavenly perfection. He became you so that you could become him. He became you so that you could become him. Now... Got about seven minutes to show you something. John, come up here. Haley. <coughs> now, look here. You get over there. All right, take your boots off. All right, you guys hop up here. Both of you. Yeah. You see, in the beginning, God said, Let there be light. In the beginning, God created this, this beautiful creation. And man, he, he created Adam and Eve, John and Haley. And he's like, man, enjoy it. Be fruitful and multiply. And the man broke out in the song. You know, he was like, yes. And then this woman that you gave me, Adam says, he's like, did God really say? You know, and then all of a sudden, now you guys both got to get over there separation over there and and, and now there's this great chasm this great chasm and you see now Adam and Eve's over here and they have no partaking they have no means to get to this side it's not to say that that they don't want to come to this side it's to say that they can't and there's two reasons that they can't now John you stand up here there's two reasons that they can't right is that God is here and he says, now, no, you can't come here. And, and the cultural Christian even. But the culture says, well, what a I mean God you have. He won't just forgive him, you know. The, the culture says, God is so mean. He needs to just say, come back, John. Come here, come here, come here. Forgive him. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Heaven is uncorrupted by the sins of men, is it not? God is not, he's not imperfect. He's perfect. What happens to a, a God? What happens to God if he allows imperfection into his being? He's not God anymore. So in order for God to accept John in without perfecting him first would make God not God. And God can't be God and not God at the same time. And so this is an impossibility. And anytime you try to reach over here. Respect. No. Why? It's because I can't, for the sake of my own being, allow him over here. I love him, but I love me more. And you say, what a selfish God you have. Yes. And if you are the all-sufficient, all-powerful being that created the entire universe, you can be selfish and loving at the same time because only God who is omnipotently power and He is omnibenevolent, He is all-loving, all-gracious, all-wonderful, all-perfect, has the right to say, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And the whole creation would be blessed if they did just that. Does that make sense? Now we're imperfect, so when we say "Look at me, look at me, look at me," you just look like an idiot. But God demonstrates His love by saying, "Look at Me," because lie, he, is, he is the way, the truth, and the life. It would be unloving of Him to say, "Oh, you're no, don't glorify Me." No, oh, God is glorious. Okay, so come on, guys, y'all you come know, back up here. Now, okay, what was I Just stay down. Stay. Now, now, what do we need to happen? What do we need to happen? They need to get back over here, right? And the only way they can get back over here is for something to happen to this chasm. They sin down here. Now, I told you there was two reasons that he couldn't get back over here. Get back over here, John. And sometimes it's because he reaches and God says, no, just like he did at the Tower of Babel, right? He's like, y'all think y'all something. And all of a sudden they can't understand each other. You know, he's like, and it's like, you were just speaking my language. What happened? I can understand the words you're saying. He's like, grab me the hammer. But all he hears is, and he's like, I don't know. So the whole thing comes crashing down. But there's a second reason, right? The second reason is every time he thinks about looking that way, look that way. Hey, this ain't difficult. Every time he looks that way and starts to reach that way, this world over here is pulling him back. You got sin crouching at your door. She's doing it. I'm doing it. Everybody over here is doing it, right? This chasm right here is filled up with sin and darkness. And every time he reaches, he's like, nah, man, look right here. <laughs> you know? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Hey, nah, man. Man, you big. Hey, man, you work out. You work Why out. And he's like, he's like. He's like, yeah, actually, you know, look at me, look at me. No, this is, this is all about him being you know, kind of prideful and arrogant in a the, in the demonstration. But, but here we are, here we are, John needing to be redeemed and Haley need to, needing to be redeemed, right? They're over here in this desperation, and there is no way to get from here to there because God won't allow it, and sin's dragging them back every single time. Now, I need one more. Let's go, um, let's go, <laughs> Titus. Okay, Titus, I'm gonna let you be the hero right quick, okay? Come on, come on, I'm gonna let you be the hero because you look all innocent and like, you know, like, all right, get right here, get right here. Yeah, stand up there. Okay, now, I'm gonna play the bad guy, right? I'm gonna play the bad guy. So, here I am, I'm sin, okay, and like John Piper says, see, some of y'all think y'all 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 do bad things. Y'all don't just do bad things. Y'all are all, y'all are bad. You got to go look that up. So here here it is. Titus is is playing Jesus in this, okay, and here he is. He's it's God. It's perfect, you know. And he's over there, and he's looking over here, and him and the Father and the Spirit are having a conversation. And they're like, the, the Father's like, you know, if, if, uh, if they're going to be saved, one of us is going to have to go. And Jesus is like, I'll go. I'll go. I, lo- I, I love, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll do it. And the Father's like, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. And the Holy Spirit's like, I'll hold him up. I'll hold him up, Father. I'll hold him up. And Jesus is like, I'll do your will. I know what needs to be done. I know how to fulfill and the Father's like, and, and there's no one superior. This is the Godhead, all equal, same will. And, father, and Jesus is like, I'll go. Father's like, it's going to be rough. You know what we require. And the Holy Spirit's like, I got him. I got him. I'll, I'll hold him up. I'll get him through. And Father's like, all right. So, so it is. And so sin is here. Jesus comes down out of heaven. Come on. He comes over into this other reality. And sin being so big and bad. And, and when Jesus came, he came meek and mild. Look how little he is, right? I could choke him out with one hand, right? And sin thought the same thing. You remember the enemy, Satan, thought he had Jesus, right? He was celebrating. But the same victory that Satan won was the demise that got him. Remember what Hebrews said even in, earlier, in, a, in the book earlier. It said that he destroyed the one who held the power of death by his by death by the by his own weapon and so here it is you know death is strangling jesus right don't get this on camera <laughs> death is is you know sin is coming at jesus but jesus is innocent right he's so nice and loving and and he's innocent and death is, is taking all of them down. But as they go down last second, you know, the, Jesus is like, ah, if I'm going down, you coming down with me, right? And he takes them down to the pit, and he destroys death. And in so doing, he provides, hop down. He provides this bridge. <laughs> Look, put your feet right here and put your elbows right there. He provides this bridge. Innocent Jesus, come, drug down to the pit, came back up out of the pit, back up into heaven to be a land bridge. (laughs) Jesus Christ humbled himself. And Titus, remember, it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross despising the shame and the embarrassment All right. Hop up. All right. Now, the beautiful thing is we haven't even, we haven't. Okay. What does that mean for us, though? Jesus did it. Yes. Jesus did it. And I could say, all right, okay, you guys go back over there. The, Jesus it makes that bridge. Jesus makes that bridge that we cross over on, right? And he's the way of redemption. He's the way of salvation. He's the way a corrupted generation is redeemed from their sins. And they go from death to life. And they through them... Life and heaven and redemption and glory and the good things come to the earth. You Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and men. Jesus Christ gave himself so that we might be reconnected to the heavenlies in a real, substantial, eternal way, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's beautiful, but that is not where it stops. And that's not where this stops. But in that, John, come over here. But in that, Jesus becomes you. Hug, like real hug, two hands. (laughs) Jesus, listen. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Psalm 133. Listen to me. How blessed it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil that runs down from the head onto the face, onto the neck, onto the body, onto the robes of Aaron. There is where God commands his blessing life forevermore. You see, when you are unified with Christ and we're unified together, why is this so weird for y'all? I don't understand. <laughs> we're just hugging? Are you not, are you not secure in your oh my Listen, we love each other. Your wife is right there. Nobody thinks you like this, okay? But when we are joined together, John, who was sinful, meets Christ, Son of the Living God. And not only can John now cross from death into life, but through Christ, John becomes a bridge from death to life because he becomes like Christ. All right, John, let's get it. We practiced, we practiced earlier. Now, the beautiful thing is, husbands. you got a job to do. You got a job to do. Husbands, what's your job? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might wash her in the water of the word and present to God the Father her as blemishless and beautiful, that he might present her before the Father in all of her splendor and glory. That that is not addressed to Jesus that is empowered and made possible, brought to you by Jesus but that is addressed to husbands so now Haley she has to come to Christ through Christ but oftentimes the husband is the means of sanctification, Titus get right here alright now Haley this is her husband who loves her and he is to sacrifice himself that she might come into the presence of God oh god how did i do this before okay yeah there you go <laughs> stay right there john now watch this. I, this is for all of you out there. You say, well, I'm not married. If if you could hear my heart, Matt, this is you. This is you. That's your son-in-law. Can you come here, please? <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. This is every single one of us. All right, I want you to get down on your hands and knees. I want you to crawl up under him so that he can rest himself on you. Now, listen to me, folks. Listen to me. You think this might be funny, but I'm telling you right now, that's a picture of the gospel. Robbie, come here for a second. Hurry. Hey, brother, come here for a second. Come here. You, yeah. Yeah, you too, both of y'all. You too. Bring your son too. Hey, you, come on. You. Come on, Grayson. All right, I'm going to show you something else. Where's Haley? Haley, come back over here. Come on. This is his brother in Christ, his father-in-law also, uh, metaphorically and literally. <laughs> this is her husband. I'm her pastor. That's her friend. That's her friend. That's her brother. That's her brother. That's her brother. Now, I want you all come gather around. Gather around. All of us are believers. Come over here, Grayson. Come over here. All right, hey, let's do it again. No. <laughs> all right, did you all see how tough it was when she was trying to, and how hard it was for him? Hey, let's go. Let's go now. is that a lot safer yes. is that a lot easier y'all hop up all right thank y'all so much for humbling yourselves thank y'all guys take a bow hey the lord just hit that one. just place it on me this one because you know oftentimes we can hear these sermons and we can you know the old covenant you know and all this kind of stuff and we're like you know what is that listen The sacrifice that Jesus made in order to just bring the good things to you. To to give you life and to give you peace. He did that for you in order that you might become like him and to do that in those around you. You know, what if we really had the mind of Christ? You know what Christ did? At your very, 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 very worst. He loved you so much that he would not give an answer his false accusers rather he took the rod he drank the cup he paid the price so that you might be lifted up so that you might be saved now how many people do you have in your life that you're just so frustrated with and you think well they deserve it and it might be your own children those little monsters you know how many people do you have in your life that you know you, you think I, I Brandon, I get you, I get you, and that's a neat sermon, but you don't know my boss. You don't know my mother-in-law. You don't know my mother. You don't know my whatever, you name it. Yeah, I don't know your mother-in-law or your sister or your brother or your boss. I don't know them. Maybe I don't, but you know what I do know? I know your Savior. And I know what he did for you, and I know what he's done for me. And if you live in appreciation and reflection of that, then the lives and the people... You want to know how to be a better parent? That right there. You want to know how to be a better husband, a better wife, a better mom, a better dad, a better boss, a better employee? You want to know how to be better, John? You want to know how to live a sanctified blessing of a life that draws other people up out, out of the gutter? Then you live... For Christ, every minute of every day, keep your eyes focused on him, remembering what he's done for you, and simply pour it back out onto everyone around you. Your life will explode with joy, with joy, even if people don't respond. You know why, Robert? It's because the same reason that you could preach to a room with nobody in it and still be blessed, because it's not about the result, it's about the glorification of the one who made you. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. As the band comes to do this last song, I would just encourage you to think about your life. How are you actually being Jesus Christ? What are you doing on a daily basis? You know, Jesus did not give an answer to his accusers because it would have stopped him from being able to love the people he loved. Jesus Christ did not consider his own glory with the Father something to be grasped, but he emptied himself even taking the form of a servant. Jesus Christ did not demand to be served. Rather, he came to serve. He came to lay down his life for sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for for us. Now, let me ask you this. All of the Doctrine and theology and systematics and all of that does a hill of beans good if you're not actually loving the people around you more than you are yourself. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter. We could talk about cessationism and penal substitution and blah 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 blah. But Paul says, if I have not love, though I speak with the tongues of angels. Though I have all prophetic utterance, though I am wise beyond my years, if I have not love, I have nothing. I am but a clanging gong, clanging cymbal, blah, blah, blah. As a matter of fact, clanging cymbals will hurt your ears if you proclaim Christ and you spit vicious venom at your wife or your husband you are doing nothing nothing but making that chasm deeper and wider and broader you're dragging them into the pit you're discouraging you are making your own worst enemy even more powerful but when we lay down our lives as Christ laid down his and we only do that by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God moves mountains. Mountains. Lay it down, guys. Lay it down. Pray for me, I pray for you.